Michael Myers Minute. We dove into the 1978 horror classic Halloween one minute at a time. I'm your host, Robert Black. The latest Halloween film comes out today, or more accurately, last night. Barring some crazy stalker coming after me, I saw the movie last night, but unless I interrupt in a moment to do so from the future, I may not have recorded a quick review in time for this episode, so I will insert one into the next. So, to start, I, I won't get into too much detail yet. I won't get into too many spoilers, I don't think, because I think I'm going to review the movie again on Monday, whether or not I get to see it a second time over the weekend. Where to start? For those who have seen the movie, I am currently drinking two fingers of whiskey in honor of Michael. As for where to start. I saw the movie with my sisters, Bobby and Brooke. They were in the minutes one and two months ago. It's a bad audio. <laughs> I told my sister Brooke afterward. She asked what I thought. And I'm like, well, the negatives usually pop up first for me. And I have complaints. But I don't want to just sit here and complain. because That's not the point. Let's start. At the zombie panel uh, at the H40 convention this past weekend. Malika Cod mentions that when they cast Daniel Harris, that Rob Zombie didn't know she played Jamie in 4 and 5. In my notes, I wrote that I thought the line was always that Zombie was a huge fan of the series, and that's why he made the movie, is because he wanted to bring it back to some roots. But the notion that he didn't know who Daniel Harris was suggests otherwise. Suggests that maybe he knew the first movie, and he knew something of the later ones, that people didn't like them, or that he didn't like the idea of them. And I start with this... And talking about the new movie because I'm getting the same impression a little bit about Danny McBride and David Gordon Green. That they making a new Halloween is more of a gimmick than a love affair. What's my point? I don't think they love the Halloween series. They say they started the script and they included stuff from Halloween 2 and the other movies and tried to figure out how to include Jamie, how to include John, how to get into all the other movies and make it work. And then they're like, it's too convoluted. Let's simplify it. I think it was too convoluted because they didn't care. I've said in many episodes of the show how I like the Chaos Comics series. It's not the greatest writing. It's not the greatest art. It's not the greatest story. But there's something in it that suggests a love of the series. Those three books exist because someone loved the series and wanted to make sense of it. H2O came out and they said, how do we fix this? How do we make it fit into the series we already love? That's no longer possible with the new movie, of course. No one can put out a comic right now that would make this connect. This movie feels more like... They've said along the way, I mean, Mustafa Akkad, yeah, he's beloved by Halloween fans because he kept Halloween going, but part of that was it was a cash cow. Mustafa liked Michael Myers because Michael Myers made money. When Michael Myers stopped making as much money after six, they had to run with the gimmick, bring Jamie Lee Curtis back. And they do that again in the present, when Rob Zombie movies weren't as successful. I think monetarily, the first one did fine, but they weren't as loved. Malika Cod had to try again, and they tried to reset. I was reading just yesterday about different 
possible stories they were trying to make in the meantime before they came around to this. Or actually, I think before they got to the zombie one, even. They were trying to find another way to reset, another way to make a Halloween movie, get one out there in the theaters. <sighs> Including one about young Michael Myers, what was it called? The Lost Years or something like that. Even though they already cover that in the novelization, they already cover that in Chaos Comics. They already cover that in Sam. For example, we've seen in the trailers Aaron Corey, Jefferson Hall, holding up the mask to Michael at Smith's Grove. And all the other patients are freaking out. Michael doesn't respond, doesn't react. But we're supposed to get the impression from this scene that the mask matters. The scene ends abruptly and oddly, and that's the least of its problems. A bigger problem is without... Here's where I wrote my notes. This was after the movie. My notes during the movie are a mess. Scribbled bits and pieces. What I wrote later, when I got home. The mask should not have the power slash meaning that it does from just one night. Loomis calling Michael evil all those years ago. He was only proven right later. He was a crazed Cassandra, a mad Ahab. And this doesn't hold up without the intervening lore. The mask shouldn't have power. In the current storyline, Michael wore that mask from... Common belief, he stole it from the hardware store. So he stole it sometime in the afternoon. He wore it until, I don't know, it wasn't even midnight. If you judge by the movies on TV, which I'll get to in just a few episodes from now. We're going to start talking about those movies. Actually, I'll get to them now a little bit because those movies matter thematically. In minute 45, we're going to talk about why the thing from another world is in Halloween. How it ties in. It's not just that John Carpenter had a copy of it on one each video. It's not just that John Carpenter loved the director of that movie and wanted to include it. The Thing from Another World is about a shape. Well, The Thing from Another World does it badly, but the story is about a shape-shifting alien that can look like anyone and is dangerous. It's about an enclosed space, in this, in this case an arctic base. Just like Haddonfield is a town in the middle of nowhere, and the killer could be anyone. That's what it's about. That's why it starts in 1963. And I don't even know how much of this was conscious and chosen by Deborah Hill or John Carpenter. But it's stuff that makes sense when you look into it in a subconscious way. Judith Myers is killed a month before John F. Kennedy. Michael Myers represents the violence of the modern world coming to a small town. I have nitpicky things. You know, like somehow these podcasters have $3,000 cash to hand over for an interview with Laurie Strode. If I had $3,000 for anything as a podcaster, I don't know, I'd have an actual studio to record in for great sound. Another nitpick, and I pointed this out on Instagram a couple days ago. I saw it in the newspaper clipping from the trailer, or from behind the scenes because I don't remember where I first saw it, but the newspaper says Warren County Sheriff's Department. Haddonfield isn't in Warren County. You look at a map of Illinois, there are no counties that are 150 miles across. Warren County, Smith's Grove is 150 miles from Haddonfield. Haddonfield is in Livingston County. In this film, they not only are supposedly in Warren County, the Warren County Sheriff's Department is involved, but then they screw that up when Officer Hawkins refers to, he says he works for Haddonfield Sheriff's Department. So it's not only a geographical mistake, it's a law enforcement mistake. Sheriff's Departments don't work like that. 
good things. Good nitpicks or good, I guess they're not nitpicks. They're good nits to celebrate lack of curbs. I've pointed this out to a couple of my guests and people didn't think about it. A rural town like Haddonfield shouldn't have so many curbs in this movie. There aren't, I'm not sure if there were any curbs. Also, the high school has lockers inside. That was when I learned doing this format, looking closely. A high school in Illinois wouldn't have lockers outside. I didn't think of that. I'm from L.A., but the movie has it. Although I'm not sure this was planning. I think this was just luck, because where they were in South Carolina is rural. South Carolina's on the coast. They get hurricanes. You know, they get weather we don't get in L.A. So they might also build high schools with lockers inside. A couple great things from Lori. Actually, no, I'm not sure this one's great. <laughs> Let's go with the great one first. She has a great line. She says to her daughter, sometimes I can't tell the difference between your stupidity and your ignorance. I like that one. The other great thing that's also weird, Laurie refers to Michael as the shape. Uh, good thing. There's a great classroom match visually. PJ Souls is the voice of the teacher, of course, talking about fate. I didn't get the specific reference written down because it went too fast. But if I see the movie again, I will try to write that down. And when uh, Andy Matichuk, which character's name, Allison, looks out the window, she doesn't see Michael. She sees Lori. Oh, that's a minor spoiler. Ooh, sorry. It's a nice visual gag. And it also sets up, I mean, they're already setting up that Lori is sort of the Loomis of this story. She's the Cassandra telling everyone that Michael's coming back. But then the sheriffs believe it. And so it's different from the first one. The same, but different. Which brings me to the big thing I wanted to talk about. And coming back to the movies that are included. The original not only includes Fable from Another World, but Forbidden Planet, which is about a you know the, a guy's id coming to life and destroying things, killing people. And I've already said before that I'm forgetting the author offhand right now, but this piece called The Tao of Michael Myers, it's the guy that wrote that. He wrote a thing about a theory that Michael is Lori's id, like representative, symbolically, or literally. Here's what they include in this movie. They show a clip from the TV show Voyagers from 1982 and 83. I loved this show when I was a kid. About time travelers. Phineas Fogg. And I don't remember the kid's name offhand. Traveling through time with the weird little clock thing that gets in places. And then Repo Man. And this is funny because in my head I'm thinking that's a clip from Repo Man. Emilio Estevez, Emilio Estevez. And I'm, I'm mixing up Repo Man with Free Jack in my head during Halloween tonight and i'm like so they put two references to time travel and i'm like oh no they put three because the first time we see hawkins he is playing a pinball machine that is back to the future themed so this movie that is banking on nostalgia for a movie from 40 years ago and maybe a movie from 20 years ago and maybe a movie from what 37 years ago 30 years ago 29 years ago However, all the different movies. They're banking on this nostalgia for a series that people have so many problems with and see in so many different ways that it feels weird that they include references to time travel. I wrote in my notes. I mean, <laughs> Reefle Man's not really about time travel, first of all. Uh, I didn't put this in my notes, but it's not. It's about aliens. I realized that when I got home. I'm like, wait, Reefle Man is the one with the aliens in the trunk. It's not the time-traveling thing where they pull people's bodies out right as they're dying. So I'm not sure how that fits. But in my head, I'm getting into this thought about time travel and rewriting the history of Halloween. And in my notes, I wrote, this is a strange sort of time travel that has been promoted as being about the generational damage violence can do. 
But then the plot proves that Laurie was right all along. It proves that the way she raised her daughter was good. That's a spoiler, but you should expect that. That's what's going to happen. Hell, that's in the trailer. And I also put a more toxic fan base, i.e. Star Wars, would have a field day picking at this movie. Because it is taking all these other movies and erasing them. I know I said in the previous minute regarding uh, something someone said at the convention. You know, the choose-your-own-adventure version of the stories is nice. Sure. I can watch Halloween and Halloween 2, 4, 5, and 6, and I have a nice story. I can watch Halloween, Halloween 2, H2O, and Resurrection. I have a nice story. I can skip past all those and watch the zombie movies. I have a nice story. Or I can watch Halloween and now jump to Halloween, which is weird, title-wise. I'm not sure the story is as nice. That's it, isn't it? Was it good? Was it good? I'm jumping ahead to the end right now, but was it good? Did I like it? I liked watching it. It did some great visual tricks with the cameras. And some had some odd moments. Uh, that scene from the trailer where we see the woman look out her window and then Michael comes in behind her inside her house. The setup for that is him outside the window and he crouches down to be reflected in the glass. And in, I'm picturing Michael crouching down and I'm like, that's weird. I mean, we've seen him that he can sit in a car, but most of we always see him standing or walking around. Michael crouching seems bizarre. I know they wanted to portray him as human in this movie, but crouching is too human. It's like later he's struggling to lift something. And I'm like, that doesn't feel like Michael. Huh. I think Michael feels more like Jason in this movie. And that's not as scary. I mean, I love Friday the 13th movies, but that's a different beast. This is a slight spoiler, but Michael killing anyone and everyone is not as scary as Michael stalking someone. We don't get the great music like this. There's almost no chase in this new movie. Despite the fact that Michael kills a whole bunch of people in this movie, this isn't a slasher film. Which is, on some level, okay, because the original Halloween is not really a slasher film either. It's where slasher films came from, but it isn't one. Nice moments, a nice decoration. A lot of people notice that straw hat on the wall in promo shots. Yeah, the basement bedroom in Lori's house has that straw hat that was on the wall in her bedroom in the original. She's got the straw hat. She's got the answer painting. She's got a doll that looks sort of like Raggedy Ann, but not really. But the worst thing is she has a dollhouse of the Myers house that doesn't actually look quite like the Myers house. 
Like someone wanted us to think it was, and it wasn't, which is a little like the house they used in Utah for Halloween 5, which people don't like and shouldn't like here. But the last thing before I get back to more thoughts on it on Monday is the final shot of the movie is really lame fan service with Allison still holding the knife. Did I interrupt? I hope so. And I hope the movie and the review were amazing. Anyway, if you just found this podcast recently because the new movie got your interest in all things Halloween peaked, welcome. I am, with the occasional guest, exploring the original Halloween one minute at a time. We are on minute 42. We begin minute 42 in the Wallace's Kitchen. 1542 Orange Grove in Hollywood, California. Annie holds the phone, but not quite at her ear. Lester, the German Shepherd, barks. Annie, into phone. I'm about to be ripped apart by the family dog. Second four, Lori laughs, twirling her hair. Second six, outside the bay window, Michael steps into frame. We get a mild musical stinger. Back on Annie. Lindsay, get this dog out of the kitchen right now. We see Lindsay, second 13, sitting on the couch, captivated by the television. She ain't coming to help. Second 21, Michael steps out of frame. Then, inside the kitchen, Lester walks away from Annie on his own. Let's backtrack slightly, because the novelization version of this scene is more involved. Quote, Lori listened to the noise on the other end of the line with growing alarm. Ow, hey, cut it out. Come on, get out of here. Jesus, that hurt, you big jerk. Lindsay, Lindsay's tearing me apart. Annie. Lori yelled into the phone, her heart racing. Annie, what's happening? Lester is tearing my crotch out, Annie shrieked. Lindsay, get this goddamn dog out of here. Lori hears growling, scratching of nails on linoleum, then a little girl's voice. Lester, come on, come on, boy. Annie came back on the phone, panting. I hate that dog. I'm the only person in the world he doesn't like. It sounds like he likes you a lot, Lori laughed. Nah, he's just a male. Goes to the crotch every time. Well, it's probably the only action I'm going to see tonight, so maybe I shouldn't knock it. Annie, you are too gross for words. End quote. In the film, Annie, I hate that dog. I'm the only person in the world he doesn't like. Lori, so what is this big, big news? Annie, what would you say if I told you that you were going to the homecoming dance tomorrow night? And this intercuts back and forth between Lori and Annie through several lines. It's a nice bit of editing. Lori, I'd probably say you had the wrong number. Annie, well, I just talked with Ben Tramer, and he got real excited when I told him how attracted you were to him. Lori, oh, Annie, oh, you didn't. Please tell me you didn't. Second 48, we watched from the dining room in the Doyle house. Candles, wicker placemats. Tommy gets it from the couch, comic in hand, and he throws it down onto the couch, and he wanders into the dining room. Got bored waiting, I guess. He has a strange walk, which I only realize a moment later is because he's moving around the footstool. Tommy hits the table as he passes it. Lori's dialogue here is a little repetitive, like they only gave her two lines to say and she knew she'd have to repeat it. Uh, she, here she says, uh, how could you do that? I mean, how could you just call him? Lori gets a little muffled as the camera moves left and she's no longer in view. And we hear voices from outside, but that's okay, because Jamie Lee Curtis is not improving very well. Tommy walks to the front window and looks out. He grabs the blinds and pulls them apart abruptly to see. Well. We won't know just yet, as the minute ends. That is all for Minute 42. 
Michael Myers Minute is a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. You can stalk me on Twitter and Facebook at Myers Minute or Instagram, Michael Myers Minute, or join our Facebook listeners group, 45 Lincoln Lane. You can also check out a very different show of mine, Dave Made a Minute, where a bunch of Movies by Minute podcasters are tackling the film Dave Made a Maze, but some of them have only seen the minutes they're covering. Some don't even know the title. You can find that under Dave Made a Minute on the obvious social media. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a nice review if you like what you hear. Until next time. See you later. Bye. Bye. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh?